We'll quickly run through the Melbourne Cup place getters on the splash today. Plus, we talk some cricket, how the battle for the number six spot is heating up, uh, and the Wallabies who embark on their spring tour. It's the 7th of the 11th, the first Tuesday in November. Stand by, and they're racing in the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, welcome in to The Splash. I am your host, Phil Pryor, and as you heard, Rekindling has taken out the 2017 Melbourne Cup number 22, ridden by Corey Brown, trainer Joseph O'Brien, uh, and a really exciting finish, uh, taking on Johannes Vermeer down the home straight at Flemington. One of the best finishes we've seen in a few years. Johannes Vermeer, number seven, and Max Dynamite, the number nine, uh, finished third, uh, stayed on the rail from start to finish. Pretty good run, uh, and he rounded out the top three. Uh, number four was Big Duke, for those that put on a first four or something of those, uh, something of that nature. And number 14, US Army Ranger, I believe that was the the horse that ended up tailing the field for those in Melbourne Cup sweeps all around the country. Uh, shout out to one tab punter as well who had the chance to just pick the horse that was going to win the Melbourne Cup. He was selected at random by tab. Uh, he picked rekindling um, and it was simple. You pick the winner, you win a million bucks. So well done to that guy. Uh, we've got the story on, on the Fox Sports website uh, if you want more details on that one. Uh, as I said off the top, uh, congratulations to number 22, Rekindling, uh, and Corey Brown and Joseph O'Brien. But enough about horse racing, because down in the podcast bunker, we have a full room of guests to introduce. Uh, first things first, a couple of the, uh, the rugby representatives, uh, Sam Worthington, digital lead, and his uh, sidekick, Christy Doran. Welcome, boys. Philip, thank you. Thanks for having us. What do you reckon, sidekick? Is that, is that I, appropriate? I'm I tried to ag- with it. Tried to ignore that pretty quickly, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we could go with drum kick, but sidekick's <laughs> And uh, cricket writer, Jacob Karoop, uh, who's just live streaming the uh, New South Wales WA Sheffield Shield game in the room, if you don't mind. Oh, am I commentating this game? or uh, Yeah, yep. uh, Hazelwood, uh, Hazelwood coming in to the left-handed Sean Marsh. Yep, you're, about a, you're a ball behind, unfortunately. It's actually a dead ball at the moment. Um, <laughs> and it's between overs now. So there's not too dead much ball. to commentate. Western Australia, none for 82 after 20.5 okay. overs. There we go. This is great. Need great podcasting. To win. Um, look, first things first. We're, we're, we will, we're going to get to some Wallabies talk after a 63-30 to 30 thumping against Japan. Uh, the spring tour um, is now the focus, the focal point moving forward. Um, but positions, they're far from sewn up. So we're going to get some thoughts from the rugby writers and all the content we have on the website, rugby related moving forward. But as we were just talking about the Sheffield Shield, Jacob, um, fill us in on the uh, sort of the, uh, the significance of what's happening today, what has happened in the last couple of days in terms of the Ashes 
this summer with still a couple of positions up for grabs? Yeah, two, two big positions up for grabs. Um, any position in the Australian team is obviously a big position, but a lot of conjecture over who the number six will be uh, come the Gabba. Yeah. Um, and the, the strange part is no one's really put their hand up for selection, or, or rather the people who have put their hand up for selection haven't been you know, really on the short list. The guy who's stood out over the current Sheffield Shield round is Jake Lehman, who scored a, centu- a, f- a fabulous century in the first innings for South Australia and followed it up with a really impressive 98. Jake Lehman, obviously the son of Darren. Yeah. Um, he wasn't really one in, context- in contention for selection um, before the start of the season, mm-hmm. um, despite a really healthy average of, of in, in the 40s. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a couple of innings like this and... It's hard, hard to ignore him. I don't, I don't think he will get the pick, but it'll definitely be um, talked about, mm. which will be interesting for Darren. So, for South Australia, a century in the first dig, yep. uh, and then 90-something in the second yeah, dig. Yeah, that's correct. Um, not bad. Not, not bad at all. Um, alongside... And, uh, and against Peter Siddle, who else was part of that bowling attack that he did the damage? Uh, Chris Tremaine and Scott Boland. It's a handy handy bowling attack. Forward Armand, very, very good Victorian... Bowling attack, no James Paddington, obviously, who's nursing an injury. Yeah. Um, but the other guy I'd like to mention is is Callum Ferguson. You know, he's yeah. probably on the on the wrong side of thirty for selectors now, and a one game wonder. One one game wonder, quite one cruelly wonder. a one test wonder. Um, you know, paid the price for a pretty tough period in Australian cricket where they'd, they'd lost five tests in a row, and he got brought in for one. Paid the price for running himself out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's fair too. But I mean, one one test, it's it's tough to have your name, you know, permanently ha- had a line drawn through it. These for one selectors test. are just infatuated with the future. Yeah, fortunately, yeah. I mean, he, he made one eighty two in South Australia's second innings uh, over yesterday and today. So yeah, maybe he'll he'll get talked about. I doubt he'll get talked about seriously. The, the other yeah. number six contenders, um, Hilton Cartwright, to the so so start to the season, but you know, good first class average. Got Steve Smith out this match, so okay. that'll help his bowling credentials a little bit. Yeah, Glenn Maxwell's batting first drop for Victoria now, trying to you know quiet quiet on the idea that he can't play on on bouncy tracks and home conditions. He's he's going all right as well. And then Curtis Patterson made sixty six um, for New South Wales in this match, which is really his first innings of note. Um, but it came opposite Steve Smith, and that can only help. So stick your neck out. Uh, who's who's winning the race thus far? If the team was selected right here, right now, I think it'll be Hilton Cartwright. Okay. Um, he's not much of a bowler, but I think selectors do want someone who can offer a few tidy overs. And, and despite a quiet start to this season, he does average fifty in first-class cricket, which is outstanding by today's standards. There aren't too many players doing that. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say Hilton Cartwright. Christy, your thoughts? Look, given the fact as well that Pat Cummins and Mitchell Stark, Josh Hazel, all three of them have, have had injuries over the last 12 months, so that extra same uh, 10 overs that someone might be able to bowl could come in very handy. As Jacob said, he's, he's not, the, not the best bowler out there. He bowls in the mid-120s, and that shouldn't be too much of a difficulty for the English batsman. But... Um, yeah, we, we saw Shane Watson got picked for quite a few years because of his uh, real ability with the ball. So I think yeah, you're probably spot on. But a bit of pressure now starting to build on, on uh, Renshaw, the opener too, because he's missed out in the first couple of Shield matches. And um, although he's had a very, very impressive start to his Test career, 
surely he's going to start to feel the pinch. Yeah, he's he's already feeling the pinch. Um, Mark Wall's come out and said he has to score more runs to really nail down that spot. I think it's a bit harsh on Renshaw that he's under pressure so soon. You know, for a twenty-yard guy to come to the Test Arena and really do so well, sure, he's, it went a little bit off track in Bangladesh, but I, I think he's done enough in his time in the Test Arena to be a lock-in for the first Test. Well, I haven't seen Australian batsmen. Uh, Actually, you know, put put as much value in their wicket as Renshaw has for a very long time. Yeah, that's that's the funny thing is he's now being told that he probably that he has to score a bit quicker, um, just to take a bit of pressure off David Warner. I think David Warner is going to play the way David Warner plays, no matter who he's yeah he's batting with. And Matt Renshaw gives you a bit of security that you should be able to hold on to at least one wicket if you know Warner doesn't fire. Um, but it probably doesn't help Renshaw's case that. Um, Cameron Bancroft from Western Australia has come out and made a stack of runs against, you know, essentially the Australian attack. You know, carried his bat in the first innings against Mitchell Stark, Pat Cummins, Josh Hazelwood and Nathan Lyon. Um, not many tougher tasks mm. in the game. And he's keeping for, for WA this match as well. Um, I don't think he is in contention to keep. I don't. He, he's, he's still a part-time keeper in my eyes and I wouldn't be going down that route for a test. But... Um, the fact that he's, he's he's done so well this match, despite not having a break at all, he's on 42 yeah. as we speak in the second innings. Yeah. He's, he's literally played this whole match um, and looked great guns with the bat. You okay. certainly don't get any better wickets than Hurstfield, though, <laughs> to score runs. <laughs> <laughs> Short boundaries, too. Says, uh, says uh, great cricket extraordinaire Christy Doran there. After seeing off Pat Cummins, he's got a bit uh, big uh, for his best. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't think too much of Pat Cummins after, after taking on... Taking on the great man in that study. I think Stark at Hurstful would still be a bit of a handful. Oh, <laughs> you got a, you got a hat trick. It's quick, yeah. But before then, he'd, he'd struggled to take a wicket before cleaning <laughs> up the tail with his express pace. All right, boys. Uh, moving on. So, going from one sport where we're building up to Aussie v England, let's switch over to another. Uh, the Wallabies. They're embarking on their spring tour now. Sammy. Um, Lay down the details for us, first things first, before we dive into a couple of questions. Yeah, so they've travelled from Japan, where they where they cleaned up uh, the Japanese 63-30 in, in Yokohama. They've moved on to Cardiff, um, slightly different cuisine on offer there, I imagine, um, <laughs> into the leaks and whatnot. So they've got the Welsh this weekend, followed by England at Twickenham, which I guess will be the highest profile game of the tour. And then they rounded off against um, an improved Scotland team as well. So, yeah, looking to complete the first unbeaten spring tour in, in more than 20 years so um, yeah I think a lot of people will definitely get excited for the England game in particular but uh, mm. Wales certainly no no pushover first up yeah it's a hell of a, sh- a schedule as well are they are they now t- have they touched down in the UK yeah yeah they're they're in uh, Cardiff um, nursing it doesn't seem to be any uh, huge injury concerns I think they've arrived in pretty Good spirits uh, after, of course, the still riding off the All Blacks uh, victory a few weeks ago, and, and then they, they backed it up pretty well against the Japanese. So, yeah, they, they uh, lost a couple of guys before the, the tour um, to injury, but, um, yeah, the, the team that ran out there um, against Japan performed really, really well. So I think Checker will have some interesting selection decisions on his hands. I'm reading uh, headlines around the place suggesting that uh, that our attack is better than the All Blacks. Is there much... Uh, credence to the, to those theories and thoughts. 
Yeah, I think uh, the praise was coming from um, the Welsh assistant coach, Sean Edwards, um, who who said that the Wallabies from set play, he was talking specifically, have, okay. have, the, have the best sort of design moves um, going around at the moment off, off the first three phases in particular. So Stephen Larkham can definitely take a lot of credit yep. for that. And um, yeah, I, I think it is warranted the, the they've put on some great um, pre-planned moves, uh, you know, of scrum ball, um, line at ball in particular. Whereas, uh, I guess the All Blacks are better from the unstructured stuff and the counter-attack stuff. So, yeah, I think it is a, a fair call. It's uh, rolled up a few people on Facebook, hasn't it, Christy? But um, I think what he was specifically talking about was was on the money. Yeah, bang on. Uh, we saw it again on the weekend. A lot of the, a lot of the Wallabies attack from lineouts, particularly. You're seeing a short ball from the fly half inside to the one of the wingers, and we've seen it work before over in Argentina a couple of weeks ago. And we saw on the weekend Reese Hodge run, square himself to the line, and then turn it into to Henry Spate, who uh, who scored virtually untouched. And, and only a few weeks ago, it was Israel Folau doing that, and, and it just keeps working and working. We saw it on last year's spring tour too, with Reese Hodge scoring with, when he was uh, running off Bernard Foley's right shoulder. So I think we'll continue to see that 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 play. It's very hard to defend against, and it's it's very pretty to watch too. When you said dangerous short ball there, uh, Jacob, the cricket writers, uh, is really pricked up. Um, you were looking a bit bored before that. Uh, no, I, I love the the fifteen <laughs> man code. Big, big fan. It's I actually really don't. Selling. I actually don't mind rugby. Really, I'm selling. quite. I, I watch a game of rugby. <laughs> well, you can watch it this weekend because four fifteen a.m. the oh, Wallabies are playing. Perfect Prime time. time. Perfect time slot just to to wake up mm. there, Jake, after your morning mm. run. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yes. Oh dear, uh, Christy, you've got a piece up on the website. Uh, talking about the Wallabies selection logjam, um, please elaborate. Yeah, well, we've we've seen with the, the couple of injuries that have um, with with Will Genia and Bernard Foley missing last week in particular, and, and Carmichael Hunt as well, who was out with a neck injury. That three guys that we thought were well, certainly two locks in the starting side, but Carmichael certainly featuring probably in that twenty-three going forward. Yeah, that. Uh, Three backs possibly will come in. Two, two. You're going to see Will Genia come in for Nick Phipps if he gets past his calf injury, and, yep. and uh, Foley was out with with the illness, and and he's fine now. So where that leaves Reese Hodge, who last week kicked nine off nine from nine off the mm. tee uh, and played pretty well in his first start at uh, ten for the Wallabies, is is the big question. Um, last year we saw him played inside centre throughout the spring tour. Yeah. I think it's quite possible we, we might see him play there again, even though he's been spoken about to, to just drop back onto the wing. Um, but when you've got Kirtley Bill, who is, is such a great player and so versatile himself, he played uh, seamlessly transitioned there um, for, for Israel Folau last week. So yeah. I, I would think that you, you could very well see Folau at 10. Foley, sir. Uh, yeah, sorry, Foley at 10, Reese Hodge at 12, and, and Kurt Lee at 15. I don't think you can bring Carmichael Hunt. He's played such little football, I think it would be a big test for him to start. So therefore, you're looking for an inside centre um, if, if Bill doesn't move there. And on the weekend, we saw Samu Karevi play there um, and, and in a huge yeah. midfield combination against Tevita Kunjani and played probably his best match for Australia for the year. Uh, but... Look, we know that Michael Checker loves a second ball player, um, so I think we will likely see him revert back to, to, to a traditional second 5 eighth. What do you think uh, will happen, Sam? 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. A bit boring uh, to agree with Christie. Doesn't happen very often. But yeah, I think uh, Hodge and Kurandrani have played together quite a lot before. And um, uh, the only thing I worry about is just Hodge is getting. He's very versatile. But as you, as we see in a lot of different sports, sometimes guys pay for being too versatile almost and getting yeah. thrown around yeah. all different positions. It's a, a lot to take in. So, um, but I think that's what we will see happen, and, and that would probably be the first choice um, configuration for the tour going forward with uh, Hodge twelve. Kurandrani 13, Bell at 15 who can come in and, and take some pressure off and I guess that leaves Spate and, and Corobetti on, on the wings again. Yeah, and as you say, Spate and uh, Corobetti on, on the wings, those two played really, really well last weekend. Corobetti has just been outstanding on the wing, but Spate in particular, had his best match in some time. He, he finally started looking for the ball, and we saw him set up an extraordinary try, actually, for Samu Karevi when he... Uh, basically got the, the crumbs and was weaving his way in through about three or four Japanese defenders, found a hole, got Kirtley Bill on his outside, and then Bill just this beautiful just oh. pop pass for, oh. for Karevi to storm onto. And we haven't seen that much from Spate this year, so it was very encouraging. I think it would be a bit tough if you were to see him drop back. And the big big question will be whether Hodge re- retains the goal-kicking duties as well because he was absolutely smoking them in, yeah. in Yokohama. The ball was oh, flying way over the top of the post. He's just such a sweet, natural striker of the ball. And you would have to say so, surely. It's it's a big call to, to change that because there's a lot of, I guess, uh, psychology uh, you know attached to it. Uh, you know, Foley's one of the main guys in the, the team and he's, he's, he's kicked clutch goals before. So I, I don't see it as a lock, but... Stay in the got, flames. It's, it's got to be... Uh, it was my decision. I would give give Hodge the duties, but I'm not actually sure that that's what will happen. Um, so, yeah, it'll be fascinating because he, he just such a sweet striker of the ball and Foley's had some struggles this season, hasn't he? Could Hodge be a longer-term solution in that number 10 spot? Uh, it's pretty hard to say. He's, he's still quite a you know large, uh, sort of cumbersome guy, whereas normally you, you have those smaller, more nimble Silkier. more nimble individuals yeah. at, at 10. So I actually think, we've talked about him in every position now, but I actually think long-term 13, and like a Sterling Mortlock type is the yeah. guy that he gets yeah. compared to as potentially his best position. So yeah, I think uh, playing against Japan doesn't really... Yeah prove it so we'll have to see him against a, um, a high level opposition but there is talk that he may play there for the Rebels next season so um, yeah Reese Hodges head must be spinning with all these different positions. And not to um, you know skip too far ahead but what's England's um, build up been like uh, and whilst the Wallabies take on Wales this weekend do, does England have a, a warm a warm up leading game as well? Yeah so they play um, Argentina um, this weekend coming up they've actually had a, a very interesting build up um, Eddie Jones the Aussie coach has had them training against uh, the Welsh like a, the, the two forward packs going up against each other in like full um, collusion full, full, full contact collusion uh, against the Aussies set piece yeah so um, it's a very interesting move uh, there okay. must, must have been a few shenanigans going on at, at training there uh, yeah. but um, yeah you don't see that too often do you two, no. two big rivals uh, actually training together yeah, what's, yeah. <laughs> they must really hate Wallabies <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we, how, how that came about, I think, as well, with, with Steve Borthwick, as the uh, long-time assistant coach under Eddie Jones, he spent the uh, the, the winter out here with the Lions, and, and uh, the two, he and Warren Gatlin, the Welsh coach, formed a pretty close relationship. So extremely unusual to see that just, what, a week or two out from all these test matches. Indeed. 
Boys, I think we better call it a day. What do you reckon? Go watch the horses run around. Yeah, exactly. Any update in the... You've just given it away that we recorded pre-Melbourne Cup. Ooh, we can edit that out. Uh, Is the Melbourne Cup on today? (laughs) No, I'll let it slide. Let it slide. Any, any, (laughs) uh, Any update in the shield, mate, before we go? Give us, uh, give us a ball commentary once you load your commentary. iPad back up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nah, this is taking too long. <laughs> Radio boys, let's get back out into the uh, into the into the newsroom. We'll go and do our jobs. Uh, thanks for joining the splash. Uh, yeah, thanks, boys. Thanks, thanks for having us. me. And that'll do us on this uh, Tuesday. Hope you had a win in the Melbourne Cup. Uh, and I hope you got something out of that chat. Uh, thanks, Christy Doran. Thanks, Sam Worthington. Thank you, Jacob Krupp. Uh, and thank you, work experience dude, Thomas, for, uh, for all being in the, uh, in the podcast bunker. Uh, until next time on The Splash, that's a wrap.